Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. As always, I know you're really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, we talked to Bruno Moya, who is an awesome dude. We really probably could have split this up into two or three episodes because we had so much to talk about. Not only has Bruno uh, gone through some adversity, had some challenges in his life, he actually kept pushing through those challenges and is now serving the veteran community in a really amazing way, which I know you're, you're really going to like hearing about. So, I really like to talk about our sponsors. As always, Season 2 is brought to you by Modus Nation at modusnation.com. Please check them out. They have a really amazing line of apparel. They're giving back to the community. And Ben and Lindsay are always looking for ways to partner with other groups to give back even more. So not only are they making an amazing product, they are spending all their free time giving back to the community. That's really amazing. So please uh, support them, support what they're doing. And they were gracious enough to give us a coupon code, which is nothing owed, uh, which will give you a discount on the modusnation.com website. So please check them out, buy some clothes. I know you're going to like it. They make awesome stuff. They're always coming out with, with new designs. So please check out their new stuff. I know you're going to like it. And I always like to talk about the other contributors to the show. We have a lot of amazing people that have been on the show that have helped us out tremendously with getting this show produced and getting it out to you guys. So uh, I don't mean to leave anyone out. If I do, I apologize. But for anyone out there listening, please check out our website, nothingo.com. We have all of our sponsors and partners uh, on the show with links to their services and their products. So please check them out. But I do want to mention, just real quick, we have uh, Cranky Veteran Candle is a partner with the show. They're doing amazing stuff. Their candles are amazing. Not only is it, it is a good product, it actually is a, a healthy candle. If you listen to the show, you're going to see that a lot of the candles you buy in the store have a lot of toxic chemicals that end up getting into the air as you burn the candle. And Cranky Veteran Candles don't do that. All of their candles are, are natural and as healthy as a candle can possibly be. So please check out Cranky Veteran Candles. Uh, I always like to bring up uh, Forest Flags. Uh, he's an awesome dude as well. He's a Marine. He's a veteran. He's always coming out with new stuff. Uh, he started with Forest Flags, which are still amazing, custom-made American flag design. So please check out Forest Flags. And he also has a new company, Line 613, where he's branching off into other products. He's always releasing new stuff, uh, new T-shirts. So he's doing amazing, always pushing forward, always coming out with new stuff. So uh, check out Forest Flags and Line 613. Uh, Winfield Watch, I know I've talked about them a lot, but still, awesome guy, awesome product. Please check them out. And last but not least, uh, Charlinda with Mutt Sauce. Uh, she was on the show uh, in season one, but her company and her product is blowing up. She's going to be huge if she isn't already. Uh, but she has an amazing product. She has an amazing story. And again, another veteran that is giving back to the community. So please uh, go support Charlinda and Mutt Sauce. Uh, I, I know you're going to like it. it. It's an amazing product. Uh, you can put it on everything. It, it's, it's something you're going to want to keep on your kitchen table. And it comes from a good place. It comes from a veteran. Giving back to the community like almost all of our guests have. So please, uh, please check out Mutt Sauce as well. And now it's time for the show. So I'm going to turn it over to myself so we can get things going. Enjoy, everybody. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. As always, we're back with another awesome guest. Uh, we have uh, Bruno Moya of uh, Merging Vets and Players, which is an awesome organization, which he's going to talk about a little bit later. So we're really excited to have him here. Um, he's gracious enough to, to spend some time with us. I know you're going to like this episode. Um, so before we get into uh, 
brutal story, as always, I'll turn it over to Ben, say hi to him, uh, check in, see what's new. Uh, so Ben, how you doing? What's new? Uh, pretty good, man. It's been a, you know, for all of us in the veteran community, this week has been, you know, uh, up and down roller coasters of emotions. Um, you know, so I, I'm taking it in stride. I'm reaching out to all my buddies, making sure everybody's on point, uh, you know, and just, you know, riding the wave. So I'm really excited for Bruno to be here. Bruno works for a great organization. Uh, Maudus Nation is is uh, partnering with MVP on some things and uh, upcoming things. Um, and and I've gotten to know Bruno, know Bruno a little bit in the last last month or so since I met him and he's just outgoing individual. He's a Marine. We'll, we'll let him, well, of course he is. Right. We'll let oh. him slide on that, but, All right. the, but uh, he's a good dude. He's got some interesting stories. He works at a really cool gym um, that he's housed out of for, for his program. Um, so, you know, I, I've got a couple questions for him just to see if we can get him to tell us some of the, the back, the back behind the doors, uh, behind the scenes stories about the guys that uh, are running his gym. So uh, it should be a good episode. Very cool. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, we were chatting for a few minutes and uh, glad to have you on. You seem like an awesome dude. No, no, no doubt. Um, Amen. That being said, I'm going to turn it over to you, Bruno. Um, if you don't mind, if you could kind of give us a little bit of your backstory, tell us kind of where you grew up, um, you know, just kind of basic stuff. Uh, I know you, obviously Ben said you enlisted in the Marine Corps, which is awesome, which is a way everybody should do it, but, uh, <laughs> Ben's not paying attention, but in any Sounds case, good. no, Sounds please use your backstory. We'd love to hear it. I'm not, the I don't, I don't acknowledge any of this Marine Corps camaraderie good, and attacking sorry. army guys. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't an attack. I'm I sorry. You guys are yeah. <laughs> it's all good. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I was born in El Paso, uh, grew up in Mexico, first generation, uh, moved to, to the U.S. Uh, when I was six years old, uh, went to Clark High School here in Las Vegas, and uh, I saw a commercial where this dude was, uh, he was just in civilian gear, and all of a sudden, like, he, he had a sword and a freaking diner, or a, 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 a dragon came out of nowhere, and he was in a chessboard, and then, like, he slayed the dragon, and I'm like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so uh, I joined the Marine Corps as soon as I turned 18, 10 days after graduation. Uh, I, I shipped off to, to the infamous Yellow Footprints at, at, in uh, Hollywood uh, or uh, uh, Camp Pendleton. So I'm a Hollywood Marine. Um, September 11th happened while I was in boot camp. So that, that, was, that was an interesting uh, part of my, uh, my career in the Marine Corps, uh, uh, an interesting way to get started. Uh, I remember thinking that... Uh, you know, our drill instructors were just talking about what's going on, what they felt, and for us to get ready to go to war. And uh, sure enough, you know, 2003 came around, and uh, I was I was shipped off to to uh, to Iraq, to Kuwait. Uh, so I was part of the invasion over there, and uh, came home. Uh, I was in the reserves. Uh, came home, went back active duty. I was a combat instructor for three years, and then then I got out. Uh, went to school uh, shortly after coming coming home. Took a little while. Uh, you know that transition part. It was was a little rough. Um, I was married. I had a kid at the time. Uh, but then you know I was talking to my dad. My dad was like, "Look, dude, you're wasting your life uh, working in a casino. There's nothing wrong with that. But like you can do better." 
So I went to school, got my uh, degree in uh, psychology, and then uh, ended up getting my master's in social work. Wow. So I'm a, I'm a social worker, a veteran advocate here in, in Las Vegas. What made you choose uh, psychology? Uh, most mostly it was because I knew I wanted to help vets. Okay. Uh, that was that was the main thing that I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to do a lot of talk therapy. Um, that's where I, that's, that's the ultimate goal here. And, um, I was good at it too. A lot of the guys from my unit would call me up and just kind of vent. And, uh, I knew that, that there was, I had a, I don't want to say gift, but I, I had the ability to be able to sit down with people and then just have them pour their, 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 their suffering, the trauma, whatever they were feeling, you know what I mean? And, and we would just sit down and uh, and talk through stuff, and, and it made them feel a lot better. So, um, partly it was because I wanted to, you know, I, w- I wanted to be a, a therapist, or I want to be, a, well, I, I am a therapist. Uh, and the other part is because I I recognized that a lot of guys would uh, will come to me and just kind of vent, you mm-hmm. know. So it was a good, it was it was one of those things, you know. Well, what do you think? What's been the biggest? I mean, don't please don't get personal with anybody, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. what's, what's been the biggest Personal, issue or the most common issue that you're finding vets are having coming back? I mean, everyone hears terms like PTSD and things like that, but like, what do you think is, what's the root cause of that? What do you think? What are you seeing? Yeah. Um, I'm going to get a little mushy here, but I think that this is a, a big part of, of, of vets. Um, and that's the fact that we serve, we do something, um, in many ways, it could be controversial, whatever the case is, you know what I mean? Uh, but we come home and we don't learn how to, how to, how to love ourselves. Honestly, man, that's, that's the biggest thing that I see with a lot of guys is that, that they can't look at themselves in the mirror. They can't, it's hard for, for somebody that, that has served overseas, that, that has seen things that questions, uh, it might question uh, a lot of the reasons, especially right now, what's going on in Afghanistan. They question a lot of things. It's not like World War II where, where it was like we're fighting the Nazis. We're kind of doing that. You know, Taliban can, can be seen like that. But it's one of those things that we come home and it's not, it's not a World War II kind of coming home. So you, you question a lot of the things that, 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 that you did essentially, uh, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you have this, this theory called, uh, a moral injury, you know? So a lot of guys don't really understand or, or can't, can't really process, uh, some of the things that they've done. So they come home and they're not able to really look at themselves in the mirror and, uh, and really value themselves internally, except the things that they've been able to, that, that they, that they did overseas. Um, and that's why I think, a lot of the veteran community were, were very tight because mm-hmm. we feel comfortable in that bubble. But at the same time, it, it's hard for, for what, for, for us to kind of look at ourselves. And that, that's not with everybody. That's mm-hmm. most people that, that I, that I work with. Um, one of the questions that I ask them is, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, can you, can you stare at yourself and appreciate yourself? A lot of guys don't, you know, they say, no, I, I can't, Past five seconds, I can't do it. Um, so that's one of the what's, that's one of the root causes I think with a lot of vets that they can't learn to to appreciate the good, the bad, the ugly of themselves. Uh, they don't know how to do that. They they we weren't properly taught too. You know, like 
even talking about it is like it's kind of weird you know what i mean like what do you mean do, do you do i love myself that's kind of weird right what, what are you talking about but uh mostly i think that's that's part of it you know is is appreciating everything about you uh and that's one of the things that i've seen with with a lot of the guys um coming home yeah, that's such a catch that's like a i mean it's like a oxymoron almost because they can't they can't teach us that you can't you can't build a soldier um or a marine and but tell them to be in touch with their feelings and it's just it doesn't work like to do go do the job that you have to do you have to be broken down to the basics of life and then built back up as a soldier slash marine right you know that we'll leave the airmen and the seamen out of that (laughs) because You know, that's a little different story, but the, but Marines and soldiers have to, I mean, that's the process. That's what basic training is, right? We had, um, we had a guy on an MMA guy who was a Marine talking and he was saying he was really, uh, you know, touched when he was in basic training and everything was this Marine, you know, where this recruit, this, yeah. However you guys have to say, we don't have to do that in the army. I mean, we have things similar to that, but the way he was saying that was so intriguing to me that, you know, I don't think unless you've done, gone through basic training, been in a, you know, in a unit, you don't, you can't grasp it. And I think, I think in addition to what you're talking about, where we're being asked to do things and then come home and try to live a normal life. Um, the society that we live in is going further, you know, the gaps in society are becoming further and further apart. And our community is so close knit because when we get home, you and I walk in, you know, we, we go to work at an insurance agency and we're selling insurance and we expect the people around us to behave like soldiers and Marines, not in a violent combat way, but in a this is my job. This is my duty. This is, you know, I'm honorable. I'm trustworthy. I'm loyal. And, you know, all those things more and more every day, our society here, the, you know, the gap between the people that uphold those standards and those principles and the people that don't, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think it's such a slap in the face. Whereas I mean, I, I'm trying to think of an example, but maybe like when the Vietnam guys and, you know, I'm not a Vietnam veteran, but when those guys came home and everybody was spitting on them, that same kind of thing is kind of happening in a different way. And it's very difficult to deal with. It's very difficult today, I think, for I mean, I've been out of the army for almost 20 years, and I think it, it, I still struggle with trying to be a civilian employee, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, do you think let me ask you this. Do you think part of it, too? Cause you have to train like a good example. Right? I was watching TV and they were showing the Afghanistan stuff and there's a line of Marines running into, I think it was the embassy. I don't know where it was, but line of Marines running in to potentially a combat zone to save the workers or whomever they were going after. Right. So they're running into the unknown, potentially into a gunfight. So you have to train soldiers and Marines to do that without question. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you, you train Marines and soldiers up to a certain standard to be that guy on the poster, like you talked about. And then all of a sudden, at some point, your time ends, right? Whether you go to combat and then you're not in combat, or even if you were a hard charge in the military and then one day it just stops. So do you think that's part of it? It's that it, I mean, obviously people that see horrible things, that that's one issue, but for everyone else, it's like you built yourself up this identity of this, 
super marine and then all of a sudden it ends one day and then now what right i mean do you think do you think it's that transition that's part of the issue too absolutely man i mean okay. like we were talking a little bit beforehand and i was telling you that you know I remember wanting to get out because I had a wife and a kid and they weren't with me in, in, in Pendleton. They were living here in Vegas. So I just really missed them a lot, you know? And uh, so part of me was like, man, I can't, can't wait to be at home with my, with my wife and my kid every day and just seeing them and, 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 you know, building this life for them. And then like three months later, uh, I couldn't wait to get back in. And there's just I, this idea that, you're never going to be able to, to shoot an AT4, uh, uh, a 240, yeah. like all these, these awesome things that you were doing in the core, you know, uh, or in the army, like this, 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 this being a warrior, you know, and, and, and that you, you're not going to be able to, to really do that anymore. There's some essence of it that you can still practice back at home, but you know, I'm not going to walk into Walmart with my, you know, with my uniform, you know, it's like that you're, you're out, man. Like yeah. the idea that you won't be able to do the things that you've done anymore is, is hard. And that's part of what our program does is, is that transition piece of, of coming home, you know, like I'm big into history. So, um, you know, for me that, that the, the story of, of, Odysseus coming home, right? That that's a it's a it's a ten year journey of of him traveling from from the Trojan War back home to his wife and and his son. It's a big part of of transition, and I think that for many parts, it was that myth was to help uh, warriors be able to come home, and and we see that with a lot of guys and gals that that come home is that 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 piece where they get lost with themselves. They they. They, they, they don't understand who they are. They're trying to figure out how to get home. Right. But all along, you're like, you're here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's strange, right? Because I remember when, when I first got out, I remember being next to my wife and my kid, but I wasn't really there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I was not there. So it took a while. It took like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I got out and... Oh, three. And there's still times in my life where I'm taken back to a time and place in my mind and I'm absent. I'm absent. I'm depressed for a few days. You know, um, it's, it's such a weird, it's, it's not easy to explain. It's, it's not easy to deal with. And it's, you know, for somebody that hasn't experienced it, it's very, you know, it's very Egyptian, you know, like it's like speaking Egyptian. They go, huh? Come on. What do you mean? You should be happy. You're not getting shot at or you're not pulling guard duty and doing all the things that you complain about and suck. You know, you know, my wife, my wife um, wasn't married to me at the time when I was in the military. I've, I've been remarried. But, you know, when when we get going and telling army stories and, you know, and it's, she always laughs because it's like, you are telling the like most, most mundane, like, you know, the guard duty and the, the dumb stuff in the motor pool and how many times you had to do the, you know, hurry up and wait. You guys tell these stories together as, and they're the most like, like dumb stories and the most like worst things. Right. But it's like, you guys loved every second of it. You know, it's like the whole embrace the suck, you know, 
mantra. And she just kind of laughed. My wife just laughed. She's, she's always in awe about the way one veterans can meet and be like best buddies the next day, yeah. you know, like, Oh, Hey, all right, cool. Now we've been friends for life. Oh, my, my homeboy Bruno that I met the other day for 10 minutes, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and she's, she's always in awe, you know, and it's almost comical of how, how that, that works. Like you and I can sit here and just start talking about, dude, do you remember having to get up at two in the morning and go stand outside in the rain and mop the sidewalk and, you know, and it's like, it's the worst thing imaginable. It's the stupidest thing imaginable. But for us, it's, it's a lifestyle in a, in a work or, you know, piece of a body of work to a level of excellence and a level of, of principles, you know? So it's, I, you know, it's just tough for veterans. We just had a guy on, um, we haven't aired his, we'll probably air yours before him, but he was telling his story and he had the most horrific, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it, but he had a horrific incident in Afghanistan and he, and he had a mental breakdown and they literally had him shipped out of Afghanistan and to the VA hospital in South Carolina and out processed within seven days of country. How do you expect somebody, you just had this most traumatic event that caused a mental breakdown. I mean, I mean, let's be real. That's what it was for this guy. It was a mental breakdown. And seven days later, you're expected to be in the world, you know, eating Burger King and looking for jobs. Like it's, come on, man. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that I think is most appalling about that story. And I know he's not alone, but pretty much everyone that serves in the military and goes to combat, they see things that would make most people curl into a ball and freeze. But when you serve in the military, that's not an option, right? So you have all these veterans that push through and continue on the mission, even after they've seen horrible things. And then all of a sudden it's just like, nope, you're done. Boom. It's like, it's sad how the government treats that where it's, it's like a light switch. You know, it's like you, you push, 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 push. You push through all this horrific stuff. And it's like, all right, peace. See you later. And yeah. I, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I think with groups like yours, that's why I think it's really amazing because I, I think groups like yours really are needed to to fill that gap between service and, you know, a, a normal life. And that's, that's why I love talking to, to people that, that provide services like you. Yeah, I think it's really amazing because I think Thank you're really, you, man. a great service. Thank you, man. But but there's something to be said about like those stories of 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 survival. Essentially, it's what it is, right? Like you, you survive something, uh, you go to war, you get shot at. Like I got shot at a, a lot, you know. And you know, you, you go to sleep, you, you don't know if you're gonna make it the next day. Like all these different things, right? Like those things teach you how how to be resilient, yeah. right? And I haven't looked at the numbers for a little bit, uh, but last time I checked, uh, and I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but when you look at veteran suicide, a lot of the suicides for combat veterans are lower than the non-combat veterans. And the, 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 the reason why we think that might be is because combat teaches resiliency. It teaches how to survive. You know what I mean? So, so say that again. So, so of all the, all the suicides that we hear about, the 22 a day, 
you're saying that of those those post service uh, suicides that the majority of them uh, or a higher percentage of them are non combat MOS casualties. Right. Yeah. Wow. I've never heard that. I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it, so if you break it down, that's, that's what you'll see. Like a lot of people that were in combat that saw something, uh, or, 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 or survive something uh, traumatic like that, a lot of those people, when they come home, it's a protective factor, uh, essentially, because you're, you, you kind of, you kind of uh, are taught to, to survive an experience, you know what I mean? And so you come home and you're able to kind of, uh, to, to transition that aspect of, of, of being able to survive something and uh, you come home to, to being a civilian and you kind of, you're able to, to, to use that experience as, as a survival method because you've survived something. So we think that that's what it is. We don't know for sure, uh, but it could be a protective factor. And if you look at the numbers, a lot of the veteran suicides, uh, the majority of them are with non-combat MOSs, right? So that's a theory of, of why it could, it, we could be wrong. I don't know. No, that's, that's interesting. Be, but I mean, you know, I'm not a researcher, but you know, that could be the fact. I don't but know. It makes sense because so, so combat MOSs versus non-combat OS, combat MOSs, combat MOSs, we're trained to deal with those situations where Jill, you know, you're learning combat techniques, you're learning survival techniques, you're you know, not that basic training was any harder, less hard or more hard, but I know in the army, you know, I was a, I was in the cavalry, you know, in those, what we call one series MOSs, the 11 Bravos, the 19 Deltas, the tankers, the um, combat engineers and the artillerymen go through a longer uh, training cycle, right? And it's more intense, more um, job specific. And if you're like a mechanic, you go for eight weeks, then you go to a a separate duty station to be taught how to be a mechanic or a medic. Um, and so you're not trained and you're not, you know, your everyday training, you know, for a scout, we'd wake up, do land nav, clean some weapons, get out in the field. A mechanic wakes up every day and goes to the motor pool. Right. Yeah. So it's not, and nothing against that. I'm not, I'm not bashing that. So whoever's listening, I, you know what, I, I rode on a Humvee for 10 years and if I didn't have mechanics, I'd have been walking. So thank you. But, um, you know, it's kind of interesting that when you go to combat, you don't leave the mechanics at home though. You know, if your unit deploys, the mechanics go, they just sit in a base and they're experiencing and seeing the same things that the door kickers are seeing and feeling, but are not, maybe not trained enough. Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe they're not, they don't know as much, you know, you and I are so trained that it's like second nature. Yeah. You know, the, the, not that you're ready for every situation. I don't mean that, but you're training constantly for, for those situations. And so it's second nature, you know, when a mechanic is in a truck and it gets blown up, they almost don't know what to do. And if you're experiencing that and having to be in a combat zone as a non-combat MOS, maybe that is, maybe there's something to that. I mean, I've never heard, it's very interesting to me. I've never heard that, that stat, like, you know, the machismo from a combat MOS and the training and the things that you learn 
probably does help you mentally a little bit, that edge. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was a machine gunner, right. Part of the training was like, you got to survive. You got to make sure that you take these different steps to survive. And the reason why you want to survive is because you got people depending on you, you know? So it's, it's etched in, in, in your brain. Like I got to fucking make this, you know what I mean? I, I cannot fail. I, I got to survive. So those that could be a protective factor uh, against suicide. Uh, it's hard to say because we still lose a lot of guys that, that were in, in combat, you know, that were machine gunners, that were infantry guys, uh, artillery guys. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like it's, it's you know, it's a, a, a definite protective factor, but there's something to be, to be looked at there. You know, there, there, there is that, that factor that it, it could, it could help. And what I'm interested in is how you can transition those ideas of, of survival, uh, of, of being able to, to, you know, to, to, to live through a situation, especially like coming home, you know, transitioning, how, how those things that you were taught in the military, how they, you can transition, transition them into, into civilian life, you know, like the art of war, the book that was written for, uh, for war, obviously, right. From uh, Sun Tzu, uh, a lot of people use that for business, you know, because they're able to take the concepts of the art of war into business or into other things. And I'm wondering if we can do the same thing from learning uh, how to be a, a, a machine gunner, an infantryman, whatever you were in the military, those same ideas, those same principles, and then apply them in, in, in civilian life. And I think you can, definitely. Um, I mean, I've used them, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. there. Are there any differences in numbers between, and maybe this is too vague of a question, but are there any differences in numbers between like age group or um, veterans that have different careers in their civilian life? I mean, is it, I mean, can you say anything like, you know, veterans that are entrepreneurs are less likely to commit suicide than, you know, veterans that work in a corporate environment? Is there any, any breakdown like that? You know, that's a good question, man. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I do know that it's it's hard to answer that question because I, I, I from what I've seen, um, what I've experienced with, with a lot of guys that I've lost to suicide is is that loss of, of purpose. Yeah. Um, and that purpose doesn't seem to have an age. You know what I mean? Okay. You know what I mean? Like you can be 32, 33 and not have purpose be 70 and still not find purpose and want to, uh, you know, want to pull the trigger on that. So I don't know if there's an age group. Um, however, there could be some, especially like with Vietnam vets, uh, with their, with, with ancient orange and everything. So having those health factors, not being able to, you know, having to wear a diaper, you know what I mean? You're like, you're, you're, you're a badass Marine, you know, you served your country, you went to Vietnam a couple of times or, or once, whatever the case was, and now you're, right. you're 70 having to wear a diaper because of Agent Orange and like all these other different factors. Uh, some some of uh, the, the Vietnam vets, like some of their kids have some of the symptoms. So having to live through all of that, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a good question to, 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 to look into, you know, but uh, a lot of it has to deal with 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 
with having self-purpose, you know, looking at yourself and saying like, dude, I'm fucking worth being here no matter what, you know? Yeah. I, I tend to, that seems to be the recurring theme, you know, and I'm just taking a wild guess because I'm not professionally trained in any of this, but you know, I think we can all agree that when you're 18 or 19, your brain is probably not fully developed. And when you serve in the military, your brain probably develops a certain way just because you are trained a certain way. So there's a, whatever you want to call it, an imprint on that young brain that never goes away because you're still developing when you're in boot camp, right? Right. You're still developing when you're in your first couple of years of service. And, uh, you know, like you said, purpose, I think, I think that's, what's missing. You know, I think a lot of guys that struggle, I think it's, it's purpose, you know, they need a mission, right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be combat. You don't have to go back to war, but, uh, you know, whether it's a business or something, I, I think that's it. I think that's the key for most people. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're struggling, there's something out there for you. Just find some kind of purpose. And I think that, yeah, I think there's other parts to it too. I mean, I think we're going to, I hope we can talk about it, but I think sleep is a big part. I think there are things you can do with your health that kind of build upon this. So if you can find purpose and get your health and your sleep back on track, I think it all compounds. And I, I think it, I think it can make some big improvements without taking drastic steps or, you know, all kinds of crazy medication, but that's just my suspicion. <laughs> Yeah, again, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm not a scientist, and and we'll get into this because you know Bruno represents uh, the MVP organization, but works from a really cool gym, um, and so. But I, I I'm not a scientist either, but I can tell you, I, I firmly believe that there's science behind, you know, the exercise and the endorphins that come from exercise and getting out in the sun and everything else. You don't have to be a you know, PT stud every day when you're 50 years old, but just getting that exercise, your, you know, our bodies are designed for that, you know, but yeah. Hey, so before we, before we get to the gym part of this and kind of get into the MVP thing, Bruno, you told me a story and I, you could tell us if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Right. But um, before you transitioned in the job you have now, so you, you got out of the military, you're working at one of the casinos here in Las Vegas uh you 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 were working for like uh like a political party right like you were writing speeches or something and then you were you were struggling to find work do you want to can you tell that story about your resume and you were kind of like man really or do you want to stay away from that no no let's talk about it man Uh, all right down man i'm i'm i I, yeah dude let's let's talk about that so before we get into that uh I do want to mention about purpose, Brian, like you, you talked about purpose. And I, I believe, I firmly, firmly believe that the first thing that, that for a vet and for anybody specific or especially for anybody is that you have to, the purpose has to be with full acceptance uh, of, of who you are and loving yourself. And I think that's where the mm-hmm. purpose starts is, 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 is knowing that you're worth it, you know, and that's, that's where purpose begins, I believe. Uh, but yeah. Um, how, how, how do you help a guy? I mean, you know what, we're going to backtrack again here. Yeah. If, if I come to you and, and I'm, I'm struggling, Bruno, I, I'm, I'm, I can't look in the mirror. I don't know what I'm going to do. What's the, what's the advice that you give to a guy like that or a lady? Sorry. Yeah. Of, of, what, what's that? What, what's the first step? 
in your mind to help somebody that may be struggling with purpose, not finding a purpose and struggling with self-identity and being able to love themselves? What's that first step? Yeah, that's, that's a, so when I run into that, I definitely want to, it helps when you have that, that, uh, that rapport with that individual when you were able to talk about all that. So that definitely helps, but um, trying to figure out where they lost the sense of, 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 of wanting to, to accept themselves or wanting to love themselves and all of that stuff, you know, um, most of the time you find that there's something in your, in, in your childhood that, that prevents you from, from fully developing that, that, that self-identity, you know what I mean? There's all, there's all, there's, most of the time, 99% of the time, there's like some childhood trauma that occurred uh, that then was exacerbated in the military. And then now you're transitioning and you're trying to find who you are. So identifying some of those little things that, uh, that, that are obstacles in your development, whether you were a child or, or an adult, and that's the hard part because sometimes these things are, are deep in our mind, deep in our unconscious, and we're not conscious of, uh, about it, right? So one of our trainers, Tim Lane, uh, he shared the other day something that, that he identified of, 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 of connecting with people, right? I don't want to tell a story, uh, but I don't think he'd mind it. And part of it was that so when he grew up, his father was in the um, was in the army, and they moved a lot. But one of the first times, one of his first memories as a young child was that he had a really good friend for a year and a half, and then his father was stationed somewhere else. So he remembered saying bye to his friend, crying, and then. Uh, and then thinking to himself that he never wanted to make a connection with anybody again because he knew that he, he was going to have to leave them because his dad was in the military and they moved so much. And he identified that, you know what I'm saying? So that part of it was something that, it, I mean, he's, he's, you know, I think in his 50s now, you know what I mean? So it took him 50 years to be able to identify the reason why anytime he gets close to somebody, He's like, dude, no, that, that's enough. You know what I mean? It's too close because I know that I'm going to have to say bye. You know what I'm that's saying? So, that's so interesting, man. So I grew up on Air Force bases, um, and we moved every three years of my life till I got out of the Army and lived here in Vegas. And my wife has countless friends that she still keeps in contact with from, like, high school, right? Yeah. I don't keep in contact with one person from high school. Yeah. The people that I... I have a, you know, a very small knit group of friends here in Las Vegas that are not military, but I'm closer to you. I have more of a rapport with you and we've known each other for a month. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? Than I do with the people that I interact with on a daily basis. So it's, I can actually relate to that, that it's, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, going, okay, I'm in the middle of my school year in fourth grade and seventh grade and 10th grade. And, you know, and, and having to move and, you know, you had a girlfriend and you had your buddies and I, you know, thanks to social media, I've caught up with some of them, but I don't interact with them. 
you know, and it's, and the only people that I will immediately open up, open up to and become, you know, uh, immediate rapport with, or have immediate rapport with our veterans. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and I'm in a sales job. I talk to people all day long. I'm all, I'm a very good salesman. Um, I have the ability because I've lived a million places and done a million things. I have the ability to relate to a lot of people. It helps in sales, but I'm not close to anybody. Like you said, it's, that's an interesting point. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, just understanding some of those little factors and it, it's hard, you know, because you, you have to, you have to ask the right questions to be able to have people open up and, and realize that, you know, and, uh, I'm back in school now to do transpersonal psychology, which is which is a little bit spiritual in a sense, but it's uh, you go into um, uh, non-ordinary states of consciousness, uh, and and while you're in this state of consciousness, you you try to dig into some of these repressed memories. Um, can I can I ask real quick? What is yeah. a non-ordinary state of consciousness? A non-ordinary state of consciousness is. Uh, um, it can be under psychedelics. Uh, it could be uh, under uh, after a, a you know a strong workout. You have uh, this 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 altered state of consciousness that you're able to tap in to certain things in, in your mind that you you typically don't. Um, psychedelics are are a humongous tool for that uh, because they they work in the brain. Um, they interact in the brain in, in a certain way where you're able to relive something. You're able to, to dig into your memory bank, things that you, that you typically repress, and you're able to bring those things out. But when you do that, it's in a different, uh, you, your, your emotions essentially are, are kind of detached from it. So you're able to relive something, to remember it, but then also process it in a certain way you know so psychedelics are 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 one of the one of the things that are helping vets in a huge way um you know that there's a there's a research right now with uh, mdma where they they're in the i think they're in the third phase of of the research that is approved from the fda and they had a couple of different groups essentially and they had one group that just did talk therapy, one group that did uh, MDMA. And it's a, I think it's a triple blind study. So nobody knows essentially like who's taking the MDMA or, or any of that stuff. And uh, the, the results were that about 30% of, of vets that went through just talk therapy without the MDMA uh, got better. 67% of the vets that, that, uh, went through the MDMA uh, therapy, uh, they had what they call a sig significantly reduced, um, uh, significantly reduced um, symptoms of, of PTSD. For some of them, their symptoms completely went away. So they were able to, to not cure PTSD, but essentially their symptoms are not there anymore. So um, that's... That's an ordinary state of consciousness is, okay. is something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Can I, I want to ask one more question about that. Yeah. I'm hesitant to, <laughs> to get on board with the, the psychedelics and stuff. I'm not going to yeah. take it, but I'm always suspicious of that. So, and I'm not, I don't want to 
let me ask you this. Do you think that that's, is it actually fixing something or do you think it's just kind of covering it up because it's a, it's a drug and it's, you're just introducing a different state of mind through a chemical? Like, I mean, is, is it actually fixing stuff? So, uh, I'm with you a hundred percent. Uh, about four years ago, uh, I, uh, I did my, my first uh, psychedelic, uh, uh, I did a men's group with psychedelics and I was not on board. I, I've, I don't do drugs, you know what I mean? Like I've, yeah. I've done marijuana maybe like a handful of times and I was scared and I felt like a shit bag. Uh, and, and I don't judge, you know, some people, they, you know, they, they're, they're, they're totally for it. And I don't judge, but for me, it wasn't like that, you know, I have family members uh, that, that, that that died because of drugs. Yeah, same here. I'm a social worker, so I understand, you know, what drugs can do to a person's life. Uh, but uh, I did this men's group, and at the time, my wife and I have been married for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. And in those 12 years, I had only told my wife that I loved her like, uh, I don't know, three times. Um, she says it was only twice. <laughs> uh, and one of them, it was because I was uh, under anesthesia and I was coming out of it. And I told her that, that I loved her. Uh, so she kind of doesn't count it because I was <laughs> under the influence, you know. But nonetheless, I, was, I never connected with my wife. It's just a lady that we had kids and I knew that, that we're staying together for, for ourselves and, and for the kid. But I never told her that I loved her. And the first time I did uh, psychedelics, it completely changed my life, man. It's not for everybody. I'm not advocating for that. You have to do your research and everything, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't tell my wife that I love her and that I mean it uh, because of that experience alone. It couldn't have been done with, with talk therapy because I've tried talk therapy. Uh, she got me to go see a VA uh, therapist, um, you know, back in like 2010 when, when I was transitioning out and everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, I tried a, a lot of different things. We just made a relationship work, but the love was not really there. Not until I had this experience with a substance that that changed my life completely. And it, it was able to open up my, my mind to, the, to how I was treating this individual that I was living with. I was, at that time, uh, I did struggle with some, some anger issues. My anger has calmed down significantly. Uh, we barely fight anymore. I mean, we still do. We're married. Shit, you know. Uh, and she's a nurse, and I'm a marine. So, uh, like, we're 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 gonna fight sometimes, but they don't last long. And we like, I I apologize to her. I I, I tell her that I'm sorry for for acting a certain way, and I mean it. You know, with my kids, I have a better relationship with with my oldest. We've been able to process certain things. Uh, you know, when, when she was, a uh, when she was still in her mom's belly, I was, you know, I was out, I was, a, I was a Marine, uh, you know, going, going to the, to the Marine Corps ball, just acting like a straight shit bag, you know? Uh, and I'm not proud of that, but I'm, I was able to process that and, and, and have a relationship with my daughter that I didn't have prior to this experience. Again, I don't think it's for everybody, but the research shows that, it, 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 it produces significant results with, uh, with not only just regular people, but specifically with combat vets. Um, so I'm, 
Um, have, they, have they figured out why? I mean, is it is it changing the brain? Is it what, what's actually causing that? Do they know? One one thing that they talk about is the fact that um, it doesn't change the brain specifically, but it kind of is a uh, control alt delete for your brain where you're able to like defrag your brain. I don't know if you, you know, like, you know, if you, if you had a, a, one of these computers that you had to defrag and stuff, you know, yeah. like it's able to, to kind of flatten out a lot of the things, put things back together uh, in, in your brain of certain things that you've lived through that uh, help you process specifically help you process. Um, so when you look at a, a uh, a, a brain that's under the influence of the psychedelic, um, you see the connections. Uh, there's this one, there's, there's a chart out there that you can see. And uh, there's, there's a chart of, of a brain that's not under any type of influence of, of anything. And there's one that's under the influence of, of, of a psychedelic. And you, I think it's with psilocybin. And you see the, that there's a lot of connections. So a lot of the, the brain is talking, connecting with one mm -hmm. another in a way that it doesn't do it under a normal state of consciousness. So you're able to, to connect a lot of things in your brain, especially repressed memories and so on and so forth that, that you're, that you don't know you're struggling with, but they're there, you know, they're the root causes of some of your behaviors. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, it, it, there's a lot of connectivity and a lot of defragging of, of, of certain, certain, uh, uh, behaviors, right? So with me, I was able to, my experience with it was it, it showed me how I was, how I was treating this woman that, that had my child that, had, that, you know, when I was, when I came home, uh, how I treated her, like all these different things. And, and it showed me that that's not the right way a man should, should behave, period. Mm -hmm. Right. It, 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 it kind of allowed me to see that. I, where did you where did you go? Because I mean, some of these I know. So in our community, there's a big push right now for this, yeah. right, to get the VA to approve this treatment. Um, it's doing, you know, it's doing miraculous uh, as far as treatment goes. Um, but some of this stuff's still legal. Where did where did you yeah. go to get the treatment? So um, if you if you can say yeah. it. You, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you this. Um, I was some of the guys that I would uh, hang around with. Um, they invited me. And uh, again, I was very, very skeptical of, of, of doing any drugs, period. Uh, I don't even smoke. You know what I mean? So um, I was just kind of skeptical of everything. But then uh, these guys that invited me to this men's group, um, I saw who they were and they were, they were good, good guys, good men, uh, successful guys, you know, and, and success doesn't have anything to do with it. But, you know, if I had somebody that was still living with their mom and, and like, say, come over, job, come over, let's take some shrooms in my mom's basement. Yeah. No, you're way. not, you're not going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. You know what I mean? But these guys had their proverbial shit together, you know, so uh, they invited me to, to uh, one of the houses and, and it was it, like the set and setting, everything was, it, it was not just like, hey guys, we're just going to do this and see how it goes. You know what I mean? It was, it was structured and uh, that's, the way, that's the way to do it is when there's structure, when there's somebody that knows 
the substance that you're taking, there's safety protocols, there's there's somebody that's 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 not under the influence that's going to be able to guide people through it. So um yeah, we did this and uh and man, I can tell you, man, it 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 changed my life, you know. Um so I'm I'm a fan of it, but I know that it's not for everybody. And uh, there's a lot of things out there that that you shouldn't take, obviously. And there's a lot of things, there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't take certain psychedelics. Um, so you have to you have to do your research. You have to uh, understand that. Uh, it looks like the VA is looking into it, so the VA might be able to to provide some of these these therapies um, uh, under MDMA and possibly even psilocybin. So so for the for the layman, what's psil- psilocybin? Mushrooms. Shrooms. Mushrooms. Okay, that's what I thought. I just I'm not. I've heard so much about this recently. There's a lot of buzz. I just I'm not an expert at all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, it's still illegal, so you have to be very very careful. Um, there's places that do do it legally. Uh, there's one place like in Florida that does ayahuasca, which is which is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's a church. So you have to join the church and that's that's how you can do it legally. Uh, one of my good friends, he's a he's a Marine and, and we met through uh, one of my seniors. Um, they served together in Ramadi and he talked about ayahuasca like five years ago. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not trying it. And, dude, uh, dude, Chelsea Handler, isn't that what Chelsea Handler took on that documentary? Like it's like a drink and you have to be monitored yeah. and, and like you're out of it. Like, yeah, but you go to this altered state of conscious yeah. and talk about things. Yeah, she did a um, Chelsea Handler, the comedian. Yeah, she did. Um, my wife said, hey, come here, watch this thing. I think it was the ayahuasca stuff. And man, it that looked rough, dude. I mean, I've seen some people on trips that, that looked rough. Yeah. Um, so Texas just passed a bill where it was led by veterans, uh, actually, um, think, uh, Dakota Meyer, uh, Marcus Luttrell was part of the push to, to look into, uh, psychedelics for veterans. So it's something that, in our community is, is a buzz because it's, it's, it's helped, you know, um, it's helped me a lot of vets that, that, that I know that have gone through it is, has helped them tremendously. So yeah, there's a, there's a big buzz. Um, and it seems to work. It's not for everybody, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you still have to be careful, you know? Uh, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, you hear a lot about that. And I think, you know, like we talked about it and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, I'm in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, is it really helpful or is this just, are they using the vet community as an excuse just to get high? You know, that's yeah. in the back of my head. That's the way I see it. I'm always questioning that. And I don't know what's true anymore. Cause well, every vet, media, but every vet that's out there that you, that you know, and respect, I, that's, I started that wrong. Every story you hear of, like like Bruno's story here is from somebody that you know and from a veteran that is kind of the same thing like you and I Brian we're kind of on the fence kind of like whoa we don't know a lot about this you know when I was in high school I knew guys that would take shrooms wait a minute what are we talking about uh 
but everybody that comes out on the other end, it seems to have the same result, the same similar story that Bruno's that he's relaying here that, you know, you come to conclusions um, through guidance uh, under the state that make your life better. And like you said, everybody uses that control all delete, um, you know, metaphor to, to kind of describe how it kind of resets where you're at. You know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. So there, there's two research that I'll mention. One of them uh, talks about research people that have done psychedelics um, and it looks at their life and the quality of their life. So typically they tend to have a job, have an education and, and have a home and they typically don't break the law unless obviously they're doing shrooms or whatever, you know, that's breaking the law. But aside from that, criminality rates are lower as opposed to people that do something like, like meth. That's a different type of drug. It's a different type of substance because it affects the brain in a, in a, a different way. Uh, there's also another research that looks at all of the substances out there that are considered drugs. So it looks at alcohol, uh, caffeine, tobacco, methamphetamines, cocaine, like all of these different drugs, right? And it looks at their 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 level of of uh, I would say uh, like danger to to the individual, right? Their their health risk and potential for for crime, right? So alcohol is the one that that is the highest potential for health risk and for crime, right? A lot of people are in jail because they're drunk and they do something. A lot of people die because of, of their liver and all these different health risks. Psychedelics are all the way at the bottom. The only reason why they're considered uh, dangerous uh, to, to take is because you can, like if you drive a vehicle while you're under the substance of, of psilocybin or something, then you can kill somebody. Right. But that's the only factor, you know what I mean? There's no known, um, uh, uh, over overdose rates, um, they're actually anti-addictive, meaning that you take it once and you're not addicted to them. You can abuse them, but typically people don't want to do it again. You know, one time is enough. Um, so the the addictive factor and the long-term effects is what you want to look at. And those two things seem to seem to help. They're not, not, I mean, they did a study once with, with rats, you know, and they, I'm sure you've heard of the, the study where rats are giving cocaine uh, over water and food and they just keep on, you know, hitting the cocaine and, and it's addictive. I was actually part of that study. I was one of the, no, I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. bad joke, bad yeah, joke. You can, you can. <laughs> uh, but they, they've given mushrooms to, to mice and they only do it once and that's it. So it's, 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 it's not an addictive factor. There's not an addictive factor there. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's one of the things that I'm, that, that I personally am looking at um, to help vets. And I, I'll tell you this, most vets that I've worked with under a substance such as psilocybin, uh, they learn to love themselves, you know, including myself. So it's one of those things where you're under the substance and, and you you realize that you're missing that self-love. You know, again, it sounds mushy, but um, 
you can look at the research and and see the 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 effects the after effects and the long-term effects of these things so i can tell you for myself i mean it's helped me tremendously so that's really interesting thanks for thanks for sharing all that that's yeah um that's really interesting i might i might do some more research on that because that's i just want to know what the truth is at the end of the day yeah and that's that's the hard part especially today is that you don't know what to believe and you hear you can read 10 stories that contradict one another so it's good to hear it from the someone who's had experience with it you know so thank you um we were (laughs) talking we could talk that's a whole nother show we could talk about i'm sure but um we started talking about your other careers i'd like to kind of touch on that Um, yeah so you you were working for a a political campaign let's hear that story yeah so uh I'm I'm glad you brought this up, man, because I mean, there's definitely a message there that I want to relay. Uh, but so I was uh, when I graduated uh, from my master's degree, uh, I went to work for an organization uh, for homeless vets, and then uh, I did a lot of work and policy. I wrote a couple of bills as a student, uh, you know, a college student and stuff like that. So I, I started getting. Um, good connections with, with, with policymakers, politicians, you know, mm-hmm. and I worked with uh, all of the, the, the different offices here in, in Southern Nevada. At the time it was, you know, Congressman Heck, uh, Dina Titus, um, a couple other ones, you know, and um, uh, Dean Heller. Uh, so I worked with, with, with all of them. We were nonpartisan. I was a part of a student veterans of America organization at the university and uh, so we worked with all of them in, in 2017, late 2017, uh, Dean Heller's office called me asking if I wanted to work in his office. Uh, he's a United States Senator at the time. And uh, if I wanted to work for him doing uh, um, veterans uh, work, uh, a veterans representative. Hmm. Uh, so I, I went to work with uh, Dean Heller in, in Nevada, uh, in Southern Nevada, and uh, it was and it was a great experience. Reason being is because working for United States Senator, you're able to reach out to federal offices like the VA and, and resolve issues for vets. So we use the back channels to be able to, to help veterans with um, the VA, anything federal, but also we would, we would help out with other things, you know, like if a vet was having issues with, uh, I mean, anything we, 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 we would reach out and, and try to help him out. So, um, I was working for him. We didn't get reelected. Uh, then at, at the time I started looking for work and noticed that, uh, there was a little bit of a snag somewhere and I couldn't figure it out. I talked to a buddy that worked for, um, hiring vets, uh, you know, helping veterans find jobs and all of that other stuff. And he said something to me that that kind of I didn't know how to I didn't know how to feel about it. It's like, look, man, you have to you have to take this name out of your resume. Uh, the senator just put U.S. Senate. Don't put that you worked for Dean Heller. He's a Republican um, because it's a lot of people are kind of shy against that. And that kind of took me back. Uh, I didn't know what to think about that. But for a while, I couldn't find a job. Then I found a job as a campaign manager for another Republican. Um, 
I'm pretty down the middle, you know, with a lot of things. Uh, I tend to lean a little bit more conservative on, on, on certain things, you know, but uh, I stand up straight, you know what I mean? I don't mean right on only left. I, I, I just, I, I know my values and, and, and I live off of that. Um, and so I, I was working for a Navy veteran who was running for office in the 4th Congressional District. And uh, this was during Trump era, you know. Um, so we didn't, we didn't win that election. It was during COVID. And then I just couldn't find a job. And again, you know, I would apply to, to the VA, apply to the VA a couple of different times, apply to just everywhere. I just would have resumes everywhere. What was strange about all of this was that I had a, a solid network uh, that I built while I was a college student doing veteran advocacy and then as a U.S. Senator representative. My thinking was that, you know, I was, I was going to be able to find a job. Interesting thing was that when we lost the re-election, a lot of people in the office warned me about this, that people in Republican offices typically have a little bit of a harder time finding jobs um, in Southern Nevada. And I, I mean, I learned that. I don't want to say that there was a lot of discrimination or anything like that, because I don't want to feel like I'm a victim, nothing like that, you know, but uh, I got told a couple of different times that I need to take out um, my association with the Republican Party off my resume. Uh, and I mean, I can't, blame that you know like maybe i'm a fucking idiot who knows you know what i mean like people don't want to hire me whatever the case is but um i just couldn't find a job for for a while and it was it was a little devastating too man because i did a lot of work uh in the veteran community and i was looking for jobs and i just couldn't find anything man um another friend that i worked with at the senator's office uh had the same issue so it wasn't just myself it was different people in the office. I know that uh, one of the other uh, guys that uh, was working for the senator, he was not doing veteran work. I uh, was working for the senator for, I think, like nine years. He couldn't find work either. You know, it was, it was strange. Uh, and it was during uh, the Trump administration. And that, that time frame was just, it was wild, man. You know, it was, it was just, it was just a little wonky, um, you know, working for a political office during that time, um, which which was, you know, I, I still keep that on my resume. I'm not looking for a job anytime soon. I love what I do, you know what I mean? But um, even, you know, getting hired with MVP, I was, I was told that, you know, my political uh, background uh, need, needed to make sure that, you know, I, I kept the politics out of MVP and all of that stuff. So, right, uh, right. I get that, you know, like I don't, I, I get that a hundred percent, but what I didn't understand was just um, that, that you were good at your job and you did a really good job. And then people weren't hiring you for what you were good at. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't care what, how well you did it. You had yeah. a name on your resume. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Wow, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Again, man, I don't want to. I don't want to say like that, that. That was the root cause for. Yeah, you know, for all I know, man, maybe maybe everybody's like, dude, don't hire this guy. He's a fucking moron. You know, I don't think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
that, that could be the case. Who knows? It could be the case, man. I'm it's probably, sorry. honestly, when they were looking, when he said take a name off your resume, he was probably referring to U.S. Marines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be the only thing on a resume. Yeah, just uh, yeah. You, you hand a resume in and it says U.S. Marine. And they look at you. And it, yeah. Yeah, and Cran, exactly. But then they they look at you, and that that should just be your ticket in, right? Like, wait, oh, you wanted me to put all this other good stuff I did? It's all you need to know. Yeah, I've always shown up to every job interview in my dress blues, even after I got out, <laughs> and just said, "What else do you need? I'm here." And that's worked every Maybe time. I should have done that, man. But you're I don't full of sh- thing, you're full of shit. You don't fit into your dress blues anymore. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. That hurt. So, so <laughs> hey, I, we've said it before, and I'll admit it. I'll admit it. The Marine Corps dress uniform is by far above and beyond everybody else's. Really, man? I'm not denying it. Just like everything else in the Marine Corps, man. Well, let's not go too far. Let's not go too far. Yeah. Now, you're, now you're pushing it, Bruno. So, uh, <laughs> We're going to have to end this conversation now. Uh, I got to go talk to some army friends because I'm feeling a little. Uh, not <laughs> so I, I can I can just turn off your mic and then uh, Bruno and I can keep talking. because You know, I think so, good, so. So you ended up getting a job with MVP and, and you. So tell us what MVP is and how it's attached to the gyms, because so for our listeners, uh, Bruno's actually works out of Randy Couture's gym here yep. in Las Vegas. So very famous uh, UFC guy, one of the original, you know, UFC personalities, great fighter, um, you know, kick-ass dude. We see him around here in town sometimes. He's, you know, you'll, you'll run into Randy at a grocery store when he's in town. I'm sure he's, he's out and about a lot. But uh, tell us, okay, so tell us what does MVP do? Why is it associated with the gyms? Um, and, and then we'll go from there. And and above all of that with Randy, man, he's just, uh, a great human being too, man. So uh, Randy was in, Randy was in the army, wasn't he? He was in the army. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. He's a wrestler in the army. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, what MVP does, uh, merging vets and players, uh, the reason why we, we call it merging vets and players is because we, we group combat veterans and the combat veteran for us is anybody that receives any type of danger pay combat pay so uh maybe you were you know one of those mechanics that we were talking about didn't receive any fire but were was overseas like in afghanistan or or somalia or wherever you know so as long as you have uh combat pay uh then you pretty much qualify and so we team up combat veterans with uh former professional athletes and uh, the reason why we do that is because um, so so Jake Glazer and Nate Boyer they're the founders of our organization. Uh, Nate Boyer is a former Green Beret and uh, he played for the Seattle Seahawks. So he's a uh, an, an athlete. And Jake Glazer is a, a former athlete himself. He he fought professionally and and uh, he works for Fox Sports. So. Uh, he's into into the, the the athletics and stuff like that. You know, he, he's a sports commentator, um, so he's in the know of 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 athletes. What they noticed was that transitions were similar with these two groups, right? So a professional athlete leaves a professional athlete leaves his sport, and he finds it hard to fit into society. He loses 
purpose. Uh, he loses a lot of similar things that veterans, combat veterans go through when we transition out of the military, the camaraderie, the team, all of that stuff. Um, so we get together, we work out for an hour at Extreme Couture MMA Gym, and the workouts are led by professional athletes, our trainers from the gym. Uh, they lead the workouts. They're at your own pace, but they're by no means easy. But, you know, if, if you're injured or something, again, it's at your own pace. Um, so they lead the workouts in, in a way where we then transition into what we call a huddle. And a huddle is a peer-to-peer group-led uh, discussion where we talk about, you know, transitioning out, um, uh, life, all of that stuff, wins, losses, uh, things that work for us, things that don't work for us. However, we do structure it in a way where the workouts complement the huddle discussions, right? So like if we're doing MMA, we're striking, uh, how to avoid getting punched in the face. You know, there's a lot of philosophy in, in, in martial arts. And then we transition that into real life. How, how do we avoid getting punched in the face through some of our behaviors or through some of the connections that we have in the community that maybe are not good influences for us? So all these different things. So we, we structure the program where we get a really good workout with philosophy. And then we talk about certain topics and accountability during our huddle discussions. Um, that's not all we do. Um, so our, our program runs every Friday from five o'clock to seven o'clock at Extreme Couture. But then we also have what we call in-between session workouts or, or uh, events. Uh, we do ice baths, we do Shigong uh, breathing exercises, we do acupuncture, things that help veterans wow. uh, and athletes with the transition. And community events too, you know, like we're, we're looking for events where we can help clean up and stuff like that. Uh, we've done a lot of cleanup events in the past. Um, anything that, that we can add value to uh, a member's life. That's incredible. And, yeah, you know, that's amazing. You, when you said athletes, I, I never even thought of that until you mentioned that. But it, that makes total sense because a professional athlete is basically the best in their field. Yeah. And it's real similar to, you know, the military, right? You're the best in your field, right? You have to be better, right? You have to be that every day you have to be better than the day before yep. because your life depends on it. And everyone beside you depends on you. And yep. I mean, granted sports aren't combat, but it's probably the next closest thing, right? Cause everybody on the team depends on everyone else. Right. And they're warriors. Yeah. They're warriors. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that that's, uh, that's awesome. Now, have you, have you done any, like what's, cause I imagine you see a lot of vets, a lot of athletes. I imagine that's life changing for probably everybody. So, I mean, have you, have you done any studies? I mean, have you, any comparisons you can make to, to people that started versus, you know, after they're in the program? Yeah, we have done studies uh, through surveys of, of before and afters. And there is a, there, there is a change in people's connection Right. One of the things that MVP provides that's our bread and butter, we think, is the tribe aspect of things. Right. So I can tell you the first time that I that I that I went to MVP was actually the first day that the Las Vegas chapter opened. I was told about MVP at the time I was a college student and uh, I didn't really understand the, the, the professional athlete part of it. I was like, man, NFL players like what? what are they complaining about? You know, like they made millions of dollars doing a sport, being on TV, like they're not combat vets, but then sitting down with 
these professional athletes and getting to listen to their stories um, and their struggles and, and what life was for them and how hard it was to get to where they were, uh, it, it opened up my mind completely. And it also opened them up to, 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 to joining a tribe. So we have that camaraderie of, of kind of being in the locker room or being at the squad bay, you know what I mean? This tight-knit group. We have a lot of female vets, uh, and we have some – we're looking to, 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 to bring on more uh, uh, professional athletes that are females, you know? So we, we want to incorporate everything, but it's this tight-knit group that after our program on Fridays, they go out together. They call each other. They, they, they do things together, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not awesome. just a program. It's a tribe that, that you get to, to, to submerge, submerge yourself in. Uh, and it's a, it's a place where you can come get a good workout in and also build that camaraderie with people that are like-minded, you know? It's a bunch of misfits, honestly, man. We love it. That's awesome. Just out of curiosity, do you have any athletes that were kind of living um... – any athletes that expected their career to go on forever and it got cut short and they were living high, they had the houses and the cars and then it all just kind of vanished. Is that real common? It's common. Um, you know, obviously in sports, there's a lot of injuries and yeah. sometimes those injuries lead to a, a, a short career and it's hard to, to, to process that and to, and to find meaning past that, you know, because you had an idea of, of wanting to be a professional athlete until you couldn't anymore. And you don't even have a stop. It's not like the Marine Corps or in the army, you know, like, you know, that after 20 years, you can get out after four years, you can get out and you, you know, you're a vet, right, you right. Time, all of that stuff with athletes is like, that doesn't, it's different. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's cut short and it's hard to be able to, to mentally get past that. So we do have a lot of those uh, uh, athletes that, that, that go through that. Yeah, I bet that's rough. It's probably in their mind almost like winning the lottery and then have it, have it taken away from you. And yeah. after that, that would be – that would mess with you. Um, yeah. I mean, good problem to have, I guess, but that would be rough. So, I mean, are there other MVP chapters um, outside of Vegas? I mean, how, how, how big is the organization? Yeah. So we're national. Uh, our first chapter is in L.A., uh, okay. Las Vegas, Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, and now Dallas. We just opened up in Dallas. Uh, I know that we're trying to do something in uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale area okay. now, so uh, we should see something happening over there soon. We want to be a, a national organization where we have chapters across the nation uh, in every major city. One of the cool aspects of, of, of what we do now, though, is that uh, we have a virtual platform so uh, the workout is only half an hour and the huddle is also an hour. So if you live in like, I don't know, um, a Pahrump or something like yeah. that, or somewhere, you know, like somewhere that, that not a major city, like a little, little town or whatever, um, you can log on virtually and do the workout and do the huddle. Obviously it's not in person, so you don't get that aspect of it, but right. there's still that connection where you can, you can do a workout and then let it out, um, you know. If you're going through something, sharing it, you know, that's so, awesome. So now yeah. with, with MVP, do you guys, uh, I don't, maybe I'll, I don't know if I'm asking the right question, but like, do you guys partner with like MMA gyms or do you do, set up your own facilities? Like how, how does the, the actual physical structure work of the, the group? 
Yeah, so typically we want to look for for a well-established gym. Okay. Um, with Randy Couture, he's good friends with Jake Laser, uh, and uh, the way that that I understand w- what happened was that uh, Randy saw what they were doing in LA uh, okay. at, at Jake Laser's gym, Unbreakable, and he's like, "Dude, we got to do this. We got to do this everywhere. I have a gym. I don't give a shit. Let's open." an MVP chapter in Las Vegas. Okay. So he offered his gym to do that. Uh, you know, all the other uh, chapters, across, except for New York, uh, they're still virtual because of COVID and everything. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and they're freaking Nazis over there. That's uh, <laughs> what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, all the other chapters have a gym where we where we okay. go to and it's just, it's a good fit. It doesn't have to be an MMA gym. Um, it could be a CrossFit gym or anything, as long as there's, it's a gym where we can come in and, and do our workouts and stuff like that. So, uh, but typically uh, MMA gyms are, are, you know, where we're doing a lot of these uh, 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 chapters at. That's incredible. So really, I mean, it, it sounds like any gym that's interested, they could get in contact with you or MVP and get something going if there's no local chapter. Me. Yeah, I mean the, the the logistics of 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 opening up uh, different chapters. You know, like we have to hire people, and we're not profit, okay. and all of this other stuff. So there's a lot of logistics. But I mean, if we find a good fit somewhere, definitely we wanna we wanna expand, and that's that's our mission because we see the potential that we that we're experiencing in Las Vegas and in LA of these these groups that come to MVP and and they they find meaning and what they're doing with with what we're with what we're providing and and this is very successful you know like we've had members that that like me the very first day las vegas opened up they're still coming you know and we uh our numbers because of covid have have dropped a little bit but we typically see anything anywhere from 25 to 40 members that come into the gym regularly to get the workout you know so that's awesome uh, yeah so are there any any areas you'd like to uh, expand into anywhere you're, you're trying to get a foothold that you haven't yet? I mean, any major city, really, okay. you know what I mean? But it's a slow process. Again, yeah. we're a nonprofit. We got to, yeah. you know, we got to find the money. You know, it takes okay. it takes it takes money to be able to hire uh, somebody to, to run the, the program. OK. Um, you know, the gym, all of that stuff, yeah. you know, we got to we got to find professional athletes that are going to do the training as well. You know, like, Good. yeah. We can't just find, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do the workouts for MVP. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm right. a fat boy. I'm like, all right, guys, I'll be out of breath. You know, trying so, to do so I should bring a pizza tomorrow night and you and I can sit on the sideline. Hell yeah. <laughs> Perpy's right, eating pizza. Yeah, I love it. I'm yeah. picturing that scene from Dodgeball with uh, where he's, got, he's stuffing the pizza down his pants, but maybe that's another another story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Bad joke. I'm sorry. I'll give that. But well, I kind of, I kind of set you up for that one. So, I mean, my next question, next question was going to be, so for anyone out there that wants to help you guys, I mean, what, um, obviously you're nonprofit. So I'm assuming you take donations. Um, I mean, what else, what else are you guys looking for as far as support? What else do you guys need to expand to, to keep this program going? I and mean, what do you, what are you in need of? One of the, one of our things that, that, um, that helps us out a lot, obviously it's just that funding aspect. So if, if you're interested in, in donating, you can go to vetsandplayers.org 
and 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 look into you know donating. We always appreciate that. But the other things are if 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 there's a program or there's uh, an individual that provides services that we can that we can um, collaborate with to be able to help some of our members uh, and pass them services. Uh, for example, one of the guys that came in, um, he wanted to provide ice baths, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the Wim Hof method and stuff like that. Right. Um, he got to know us a little bit and lo and behold, he qualifies for a program. He's a former professional weightlifter. So now he's a part of our group, but we, we got together because we wanted to do the Wim Hof method, ice baths and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So those types of services that people have uh, that we can collaborate with uh, organizations that we can collaborate with so we can do warm handoff in case one of our members needs some type of assistance uh, and also doing, you know, like pop-up sessions. We're, we're teaming up with, uh, with the army national guard here in Nevada. We're doing a, uh, a pop-up session with them uh, for suicide, uh, for September and September suicide awareness month. So we're going to do a pop-up session with them. Uh, we're going to do something with UNLV, do a pop-up session with them. Um, so like doing those types of things to get the word out, uh, so people know that we exist and also having those collaborations with organizations that help vets that don't do what we do. They do something different, but some of our members, right. you know, need that. Right. You know? That's all. That's awesome. Man. I, yeah, this is awesome. I, I love everything you're saying. Um, so for someone, let's say someone that's maybe not a combat vet or maybe not a professional athlete, um, is there any way that they could, are there any, do you offer any programs for somebody like that? Or can they, is there anything that they can do like in person to help out? I mean, do you guys take volunteers or anything like that? Yeah, man, they can give us money, bro. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, I say that, but you know, like um, humbly, because uh, you know we want to make sure that it's that that it's something that that makes sense and everything. But our our, our group is for combat veterans okay. and for professional athletes, and we want to keep that uh, we want to keep that intact uh, because you know we start allowing people that that are not combat veterans in, and it's just, it just it yeah. gets a little watered down. So we want to we want to maintain that that, that, that aspect of our program, you know, safety. Um, but you know, if, if you're somebody that wants to, that, that loves the mission that wants to come in and help, like we've had members or or people come in and want to donate their time so they can always come in and help us out and stuff like that. They just can't stay for the huddle discussion because the huddle discussion is something that's private. And if you start letting a lot of people come in and listen in to everything, like, you won't want to share. Right. So we no, want to I, keep that, yeah. that, that intact. But uh, yeah, I mean, if people want to come in and, and help out with either their time volunteering and stuff like that, more than happy to, to do that. Um, you know, so that, that helps out a lot. Or, you know, if you're an organization that provides certain services uh, to vets and want to want to collaborate with us, that's also another way to do it. You know, like we're teaming up with, with Ben um, for, for, uh, you know, having a shirt and, and, and collaborating with that. And that's going to help us out a lot with not only, you know, uh, sharing the shirts and everything, but, but uh, financially as well. So there's, there's always, there's always a way that we can figure out to be able to collaborate yeah. if it makes sense. No, I, I totally get it. So it's, so bottom line is money, 
<laughs> and then yeah. networking. Yeah. No, but that's yeah. no, I, I totally get it. I mean, that's, I think uh, what you guys are doing are, is just awesome. I mean, I, um, I confess, I, I hadn't heard you guys before, you know, Ben kind of introduced me to you, but um, it's such an amazing idea. Like I, I wish you guys all the best success. With I think it's, I think it's incredible. Um, and I think it really, I think it solves a lot of, a lot of the problems that we talked about and it's doing it in a, in a healthy way. You know, it's, Absolutely. it's that personal connection, it's exercise, it's improving your health, it's moving, you know, it's all the things you can do prior to, well, now we talked about some of the other treatments, but my personal belief is if you can do the other stuff before you get to that treatment level, then give it a shot, you know, and if, if what you're doing is, is not enough, then, you know, maybe go to that next level. But that's why I love hearing what you guys are doing. So it's, it's Thank awesome. You, man. Yeah. I, I love my job, man. I, I, I tell everybody this is the best job I had because not only do I get to work at, at extreme couture. So yeah. I take classes all the time. I do jujitsu, kickboxing. Like I'm always there. The gym uh, is open for, for us to be able to have members that aren't members of the gym. You know, they're not, yeah. they're, they're not, not paying the gym to go there but uh during certain hours where there's no classes members can come in if they have they're struggling they can get a workout in um uh i get to work with the the baddest people uh, uh on earth i think you know like uh eric uh nixick he he you know he's he's at the gym and i get to talk to him all the time and he's just a fucking badass dude and all, all of the trainers and stuff like that yeah and, eric's eric's the one that introduced us i i did some work with eric um, and really hit it off and we and he we were talking one day and he said hey you know I gotta introduce you to our MVP guy and that's how I got introduced and yeah man for you for you listeners out there that know anything about the UFC you can see Eric every weekend in somebody's corner a professional fighter's corner and that guy you know that guy for somebody that you think would be a little bit snooty maybe like not have time for just some dude. I, I literally was watching you after I first met him. I'm literally watching, uh, uh it was, I think it was a McGregor weekend and he had, uh, I'm just going to slip my mind now, but he had a f two fighters going and I'm watching the, the, the pay-per-view and I'm like, wait, that's Eric. <laughs> and I literally text the dude like during my kids are like, you don't know that guy. I go, no, I know this dude. Really? He's there. And I text him. He texts me back from the locker room during the fight. Text me back like, oh, hey, bro, what's up? Yeah, it was a great win. You know, his guy won. And, uh, you know, we've developed a great relationship. And Eric is salt of the earth, man. That dude is is beyond reproach, just the, the you know, most down to earth. And if if the rest of the gym is anything like him, man, that's they're all good people. Absolutely, man. I can vouch for that, bro. One hundred percent. Do you have Do you have any funny stories that you can tell us without getting kicked out of the gym about Randy? Uh yeah. The first time, well, not the first time. He he came in to do one of the the, the workouts with us, and he led the workout. You know, and so Randy is, from my understanding, um, he's one of those guys that, again, like Eric, just a fucking great human being, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take the shirt off their back to help, to help you out. But when they get in that mindset, like it's fucking game on. So he came in to, to work us out one time and he led the, the group and dude, like we were fucking drenched in sweat. 
wheezing, a bunch of combat <laughs> vets, like trying to trying to get through this workout, and he's over there just like yelling, uh, you know, fucking get down, do push-ups and all of this other stuff, man. And this was like during the beginning of, of our program, and it was just fucking cool as hell getting a workout with, with Randy, but I can tell that he was enjoying the shit out of it because he's just over there hazing the shit out of us and he's enjoying it, but but we're <laughs> like, but then us, we're like, fucking Randy Couture is working us out, man. This is fucking awesome, you know? Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, he's one of those guys that 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 comes in and, um, you know, one time we had, we had uh, something going on with, with one of the members and he came in during his, during his birthday on, on his birthday, didn't let anybody know, and he came in to to, to chat it out and, and help out. You know, he's one of those guys that fucking if I gotta come in and help somebody out, he will. You know, and he's got his own organization, the GI Foundation, that does amazing work. You know, yeah, he's he's a he's he's got quite the footprint here in Las Vegas, and he's got quite the footprint in the in the veteran community for sure. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Yeah, their gym's full of all kinds. And I'll probably be there. Uh, I saw it for the listeners. I I signed up for MVP, and I'm going to get out there. So if, if uh, Drew Phoenix is listening, I'm going to go tomorrow night, and I'm finally going to get in the uh, in the ring. So uh, I'll be there. We had a we had a guest on. He he runs a gym down in Florida. His name's um, Drew Phoenix Cut Cut Burt, and uh, he razzes me constantly about dude when are you gonna get in a gi and get in the mat you know and it's just like he's constantly like oh yeah you didn't want to work out you still haven't gone punk you know so if you're listening drew i'm going tomorrow night <laughs> i'll let you know i will take a picture of me and bruno i'll post it and i'll tag you so you can see that i'm i'm actually in a gym doing a little jujitsu Drew, we're going to haze the shit out of Ben, too, so I'll send you a picture of that, bro. Yeah, when I'm sucking wind, when some uh, some 12-year-old girl's got me in a headlock and I can't breathe and I'm tapping out, we'll send that picture to, we'll send that picture to Drew. I love it. I love it. Does Misha Tate ever in there? She's in there all the time. Dude, Misha's. Yeah. She's dope, man. I, we watched her uh, comeback fight a couple weeks ago, man. She is dope. She's a great individual, man. She, I don't think I've, we've met a few people that, that are assholes at the gym. They don't last long. Most of everybody there is, is uh, that individual that can, that can cause extreme violence, but chooses peace, you know? Right, right. Uh, down to earth is motherfucker. And um, yeah, every, most everybody there is like that, you know? And like I said, those that are not, they don't last long, man, because it's a family environment there. Um, I take my kid there to, to work out. The baby sometimes goes. And it's funny, too, like uh, uh, Francis and Gano trains over there. One day, uh, my baby, she was just running around the gym and stuff like that. And Francis walks up to her and they kind of bump into each other. And she looks up. She's like, you know, like two feet tall and he's like fucking 18 feet tall and he looks down at her and she looks up and then he starts like playing with her it's just a great environment a family environment you can bring your kids um you know it's obviously not like a daycare or nothing like that but it's one of those places that that your kids are safe you know yeah. what i mean yeah and they feel safe so yeah that's awesome yeah yeah i, lo I love my job love my job for sure so 
so Bruno, we ask every guest, um, and you've, you've kind of answered this a couple times, but we ask all of our guests, you know, our show is really about trying to help people with whatever decision they're making, whether to go from zero to one, right. Whether that's to get in the gym and lose weight, whether that's to reach out and, you know, get some mental health help or to start a business. You know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs on here. Um, but this question applies to all of that. And that, that is, if you had one piece of advice for somebody that's gone from zero to one, whatever it is, what would that piece of advice be? Mm. Yeah. I would say that what is one thing that, that I cling on to and most combat veterans, most veterans know this, you know, it's those core values, right? Develop your own core values that are immovable to you. Right. So for example, in the Marine Corps, honor, courage, commitment, develop your own core values that you will not ever compromise. And if they do change, they're because of a significant experience of your life. Maybe you, you, know, you get married, so one of your core values becomes uh, something related to your wife or something like that, or you have a child or something. So aside from that, developing core values that are immovable, right? For me, my core values, is, uh, one of them is prosoke, which is being mindful. Uh, it's an old Greek word that represents mindfulness of, of, of understanding the things that you're doing and why you're doing them and, and being in the present moment of, of things that you're doing. Kaizen, which is a Japanese word that stands for always improving, right? So I'm always looking uh, for things to improve. And those are the core values that, 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 I, that, that I develop. I have a couple others, but for example, like those things that, that I cling on to um, that, that help me through the day-to-day process, right? There's certain days that I just don't want to fucking wake up. Certain days that, you know, I don't want to do an ice bath. But then I, I remember my core values and I'm like, fucking, I got I to gotta live up to this shit because I, I, I care about my word to myself and I have to live it. And I'm going to make sure that I live those core values that, that I made an agreement to myself that I'm going to do every single day. And sometimes it's not a hundred percent, man. Sometimes I fail, but one of the things that we talk about in MVP is progress, not perfection. Randy talks about being 1% better every single day. So, you know, hitting something of my core values that I need to live by. If it's, if it's, you know, looking at my wife and my children in the eye every single day and telling them that I love them and I mean it, I do it, you know? Uh, So it begins with, with the things that you do personally to make yourself better and live by them. And I believe that core values are are a big part of that. So uh, develop core values, think about them. Don't just copy and paste the ones that you learned in the Marine Corps or the, or the army or whatever, develop your own, think about them, and then live by them. Great answer. Uh, That's incredible. I love it. Do hard shit too. Yeah. It's another one. And I'll tell you that just real quick, the one thing I totally agree with everything you said. And the one thing that has helped me tremendously is finding someone to be accountable to. And uh, like I, I hired a a personal trainer and having to answer to him uh, has made all the difference in the world. I've made more progress in the last three months, just because I know he's on the other end holding me accountable. So not to just to tack on to what you said, that's, 
incredible. And if you can, if you can find those core values and be accountable and with what you guys are doing, I think that's a great way to do it is, you know, find that person that's going to hold you accountable. Someone that's going to call you, you know, like Drew, be like, Hey man, I know what your goals are and are you sticking to them? And if you're not, you know, let's go get, you need someone to kick your ass and keep it in line. And that makes all the difference in the world. So if you're oh, out that's there, a, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's when I developed my core values. Um, I, another guy and I, we, we both developed them at the same time and we read them to each other so we can hold each other accountable to those core values. That's a, that's, and it adds a little bit of pressure. Like, Hey motherfucker, yeah. like, do your shit. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, Bruno, man, I feel like we could talk for hours. I know we've talked about a lot of stuff and we probably could do three or four different shows on everything we talked about. Thank you. Um, so it's honestly been incredible talking to you. And like I said, a couple of times, I love everything you're doing. I think you guys are doing amazing work and I think it's, it's awesome in a way that you didn't get those other jobs because you probably wouldn't have ended up here. So, you know, it probably was a higher power looking out for you, pushing you in this direction. Cause I think, you know, like I said, you're doing awesome. I love what you're doing. Um, so thank you again for being on the show. I love it. You're welcome back anytime. Um, and Randy Couture and Minnie Robinson have an open invitation. If they ever want to come on the show, just throwing it out there or anyone else in the gym, because it sounds like you're surrounded by, awesome dude so anyone else that's interested yeah. open invitation i'd love to talk to anybody but um yeah i want to be respectful of your time so i will i will sign off for the night so um everyone i hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as i did it was awesome uh so i want to sign off say good night for bruno for ben this is brian saying good night for the uh method Ode podcast and we will uh talk to you guys later bye everybody thank you thank you brian thank you ben there we go